the award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD, news from the worlds of business and finance, with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor program. I am Chris Murray, your host. Thanks so much for being with us. Appreciate it, as always. Hope your weekend's going well. Really, uh, Special weekend uh, because uh, obviously tomorrow we're going to recognize the 21st anniversary of uh, September 11th, 2001, the uh, just terrible terrorist attacks and all the lives that were taken, uh, those lost souls, people that were injured, families that were broken. Um, and then, of course, what ensued afterwards in uh, Afghanistan and Iraq, remembering uh, all of those um, military personnel and their families as well. So um, definitely want to keep all them in our thoughts and in our prayers and in our heart and uh, just uh, reassure ourselves that we'll never forget that day, uh, what was done and what was lost and um, just how it changed the country for sure. We have a good program planned for you. Uh, we're going to be talking about some top stories. We've got some information from the Fed this week. And then also a recent uh, uh, survey indicating that the biggest issues that stand between uh, you and a worry-free uh, retirement uh, it might really be shocking when I share the numbers with you. So that's all coming up uh, in just a little bit as well. Uh, we'll start with um, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond. Their shares uh, slid the beginning of the week uh, following that tragic weekend uh, last weekend for the home goods retailer amid even more questions about the uh, the future of Bed Bath & Beyond. Last Friday, their chief financial officer, Gustavo Arnal, he was like just 52 years old, uh, jumped to his death from the iconic Jenga Tower skyscraper uh, that's in downtown Manhattan. Um, Arnold's death came a few days after the company said that it would be laying off 20% of its workforce across corporate and supply chains, closing 150 lower producing is the way they put it stores as part of a new strategy to turn its struggling business around. So before the death of uh, the CEO, the stock had been crushed. It was down um, almost 70 percent, and uh, as of yesterday, was still down about 65 percent uh, lost value just this year alone. And uh, new questions have come to light about the retailer's financing. Uh, on top of that, Arnall, the GameStop chairman Ryan Cohen, and J.P. Morgan Chase – have been accused in a class action lawsuit of a pump and dump scheme to artificially inflate the company's stock. So the company still has that to go through. Um, Arnall sold over 55,000 shares through multiple transactions on August 16th and 17th at prices ranging from $20 to just shy of uh, – $30 back then. Again, just to keep things in perspective, it's uh, just a, a you know close to eight and a half dollars last time I checked. So people were wondering if, uh, as the lawsuit does imply or accuse them of, um, that they were uh, pumping up the stock and then benefiting from it, selling at the higher side. Also, another company in the news this week, Cineworld, which you might not 
be familiar with that name, but it's the parent company of Regal Cinemas. So uh, Cineworld is based in the United Kingdom, but the uh, the the Regal Cinemas is is actually uh, based down in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, but they filed for bankruptcy. So you're talking about the world's second largest cinema operator behind AMC Entertainment fell victim to the virus and really to just the draconian uh, lockdowns and mandates where they were forced to shut uh, their businesses down because of the virus, um, along with, um, you know, just bad timing. So um, Cineworld just bought Regal a few years ago, and um, it was for a pretty penny uh, for sure. And um, and then, of course, you throw on top of that, uh, as the CEO said, that the virus was an incredibly difficult time for their business with the enforced closure of cinemas and huge disruption to film schedules that it's what's really led them to this point where they have to file for bankruptcy. The good news is they expect to uh, emerge from that bankruptcy after they restructure as soon as the first quarter of 2023. So we'll keep an eye on that and see how uh, how things go. Uh, kind of sticking with the virus, um, again, all the damage that was done and the uh, Chinese Communist Party not being held accountable, not only in the loss of life and the uh, the destruction of health, but of course, the destruction of families, of businesses, uh, the suicides, the drug, uh, additional drug use and overdose, etc. There was actually um, a study, it's an annual state of small business poll that's conducted and um, released by Verizon Business. It's their survey, and it showed a growing number of small business owners are worried about their financial security. Um, the, the, the show, the, excuse me, the survey showed that their prime concern over 82% of the respondents, they're worried about inflation, just like everybody is. It's just crushing. There's nowhere to hide from it. Um, you know, you have to use energy. You have to feed yourself and your family. Uh, hopefully, you know, you have money to take care of your health care needs, but, um, it wasn't just inflation. You know, 72% say they're worried about their own financial security uh, being a small business owner. That's up quite a bit from August of 2020 before uh, the virus made its way here. And then uh, supply chain woes remain a pain point as well, particularly for certain industries. So another uh, failure of uh, uh, Pete Buttigieg, uh, Biden, and everybody else who said they were going to be on the job 24-7 to take care of uh, all of the uh, transportation problems and get things straightened out so people have what they need. You know, I was talking, uh, we had a new um, um piece put in for our garage, one of our garage doors. And it's the, uh, the pad, the security pad that allows, you know, our family members to, uh, to, to punch that in and get into the house that way. When they were out working on that, I was asking them how business was and they still can't get parts. So this is just a fact. I mean, people can say what they want, but when you talk to people and they can't get parts or, you know, they're going to have to wait uh, over uh, 14 months for a new vehicle. I talked to someone who just ordered a new vehicle for their business and it's going to take that long. Um, you're not doing your job. 
you're an epic failure. You're you're not being um, proactive. You're you're being reactive, and you're slow at that. So uh, it's just a shame, especially for these small businesses. They're also concerned, these small business owners I saw in this uh, this survey, about cybersecurity um, up quite a bit from where it was the last time uh, they looked at it in 2021. 55% cited viruses and cyber risk as a worry versus 31% in 2021. So a real serious problem. Um, and a real problem, of course, uh, that has to be dealt with. And it's just another cost that small business owners uh, have to uh, shoulder. And uh, it's not cheap. We all know that. And, you know, we've talked about housing quite a bit. A slew of new economic data has shown us that the sector is starting to slow considerably. Um, we spoke about uh, home builder sentiment a couple weeks ago. It's really plunged to the lowest level in two years. And buyers are actually retreating uh, from the market as they cancel home sales at the fastest pace since the virus made its way here in 2020 when people didn't know what was going to happen. And um, you also have builders that are rethinking construction projects. So um, according to Lawrence Young, the chief economist for the National Association of Realtors, as I mentioned recently, he said that we're witnessing a housing recession in terms of declining home sales and home building. Prices are still uh, holding up, but there's actually some cracks in the dam there as well. And um, the recession is playing out differently for buyers versus sellers. Demand is drying up, but the price remains, like I said, still pretty good. Um, but uh, even that's starting to change a little bit. And Yun said it's not a recession in home prices yet. Inventory remains tight and uh, prices continue to rise nationally with nearly 40 percent of homes still commanding the full list price. Um, so we'll see how that, um, you know, works going forward. Sentiment among builders in the housing market tumbled in August to the lowest we've seen since the beginning of the virus. According to the National Association of Home Builders, their housing market index. Also, we heard from the uh, chief economist uh, who's been on the program before, Robert Dietz, and uh, he was saying that um, tighter monetary policy from the Federal Reserve and uh, persistently elevated construction costs have brought on a housing recession. So you're hearing it from uh, different professionals in that uh, in, in that sector. And, um, you know, with these rates going up and you have tens of thousands of people going away or walking away from these uh, contracts because uh, they, they get priced out from their uh, the amount that they can afford as far as a monthly mortgage. Um, just a total punch in the face for the administration, OPEC and all of their allies known as OPEC Plus. They plan to uh, cut global oil supplies by 100,000 barrels per day next month. So uh, obvious political statement, just punking um, Biden after the ridiculous fist bump when he stopped at uh, Saudi Arabia when he was doing other traveling. Uh, but basically this October cut reverses the September increase by the same amount. So they raised it for one month, and then they're taking it away. Um, that, that was announced on Monday. The move comes uh, after comments from Saudi Arabia's energy minister that the group could reduce output at any time. 
And with the OPEC Plus production already running nearly 3 million barrels per day, less than they agreed to as far as their quota, uh, it's it's just a big political statement. So um, there's no respect, um, no fear when it comes to uh, the Biden administration and for what they're uh, doing and for what they're not doing. Uh, the high energy costs um, are totally self-inflicted uh, as we are an energy independent nation if we choose to be. Um, but instead, you've got uh, all of these things being done um, and a lot of them behind the scenes. So recently you start you'll listen to Biden say, oh, they need they've got their permits. They need to just start drilling. Right. We heard that. I guess it was a month, month and a half ago. Granholm, the energy secretary, spouting the same lies. You know what the truth is? The truth is that the Biden administration entered a legal settlement on Tuesday with environmental groups agreeing to block drilling on more than 58,000 acres of our land. They say public land. That's our land. The federal government will refrain from using any drilling permits across 113 leases spanning over 58,000 acres in Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, under the settlement between the Department of the Interior and the coalition of organizations led by Wild Earth Guardians and the Sierra Club. Eco-terrorist uh, many times is, you know, what they do. Um, and who do you think's funding that? Who benefits from higher uh, oil and gas prices. Russia, the Saudis, Venezuela, Kuwait. Boy, they are good friends, aren't they? Qatar. They're they're just totally we're we're parallel with those guys and uh, and what they think. So you've got this guy. One of the quotes I saw, Jeremy Nichols, who's the Climate and Energy Program Director at Wild Earth Guardian, said today's agreement opens the door for the Biden administration to undo the Trump administration's recklessness and disregard for the climate and public interest. These people are chronic liars, deceivers. You know, they're 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 acting like um, any. Traditional and reliable, by the way, um, energy sources are bad. And that's just such a lie. Please don't buy into that. Don't buy into that at all. And actually, I would encourage you, if you ever have the time, to do a little research on a lot of the claims that are made, like um, like warming. How do they measure it? Is it surface temperature or is it satellite temperature? What's the fairest way to measure it? You know, we go through this stuff. What, what was it before? It was global cooling. Then the old acid rain. But I'm telling you, this climate nonsense is a Trojan horse and it has to be stopped. So don't buy into that garbage. Um, they're, they want these high energy prices so they can try to make the case that you should have an electric vehicle. Remember, where does the the cobalt and, and all the other ingredients that are necessary to build just one car battery, where do they come from? They're going to rape the earth. Literally, 
to get those materials. And by the way, most of them aren't here. So we're going to be relying on China again and other parts of the world for those products. You can't fix stupid. Um, but again, I would just encourage you not to buy into that nonsense and to do some extra homework. Um, there's no way what they're saying is true. Um, the same time that you have California coming out saying that it's going to be illegal to have a traditional combustible engine by 2035, their grids can't even hold what they've got now. So what are they going to do without traditional energy? Back in a minute. back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts. You can check it out there. And um, interesting stuff from the Fed this week. Interesting, just meaning um, it was the same garbage that we've uh, been, well, that we've learned to be accustomed to uh, with uh, the Federal Reserve and their failures in many areas. Just to follow up on the climate stuff, though, like I said, I would encourage you to, you know, keep an eye on that. Other things that are happening that um, we all need to keep an eye on. We know with uh, education and the importance of uh, of filtering what our children, grandchildren, nieces and nephews, uh, you know, whoever, what they're actually being exposed to um, and, and other important things like that, including the military. You know, I was reading this week uh, how much it's changed over the last uh, 10 years. You know, in 15, 2015, um, Obama initiated a change to the Pentagon's longstanding policy on transgender individuals in the military. Everybody knows that's no good, especially when the taxpayers have to pay for um, uh, surgeries and treatments. Uh, that's that's ridiculous. The Army recently lowered their minimum passing standards for push-ups to an unimpressive total of 10. They increased its minimum two-mile runtime from 19 to 23 minutes. And the new Space Force is considering doing away with periodic fitness testing altogether. Back in 2016, Navy Secretary Mabus decreed that Navy sailors would be no longer be known uh, by traditional job titles such as Cordman. So... And, and instead, they were adopting these new gender-neutral titles such as medical technician. Thank God that the enlisted sailors raised holy heck and the Navy was forced to reverse that stupid change. So um, I was, it was a really good piece uh, by uh, Thomas Spore. Um, he served for 36 years in the U.S. Army. He was lieutenant general. 
Um, and he wrote a really good piece that I was uh, reading and getting caught up on what's going on in the, the military. The, these indoctrination programs differentiate uh, service members along racial and gender lines, which runs completely counter to the military uh, imperative to build cohesive cohesiveness based on common loyalties, training and standards, he wrote. So, uh, oh, and now the Biden administration's chief of naval operations decided last year to add that uh, goofball Abram X. Kendi's book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, <laughs> to one of the leading source books on critical, uh, which is one of the leading uh, source books on critical race theory. And he's uh, he, he was recommending that to his list of uh, of readings. So, again, you can't make this up. You can't fix stupid uh, but we need to keep an eye on everything that's going on. A big part of that's going to be November when we get the midterms. And um, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle they're on. If they're a Republican or a Democrat or a so-called independent, they've, if they don't put you and your family and this country first, they've got to go. So I, I hope there's a massive, you know, like I envision it, when Jesus flipped the table of the coin changers in the synagogue, right? I mean, sometimes that's what's necessary. And this is definitely one of those times because of the way that they're uh, hurting the country from the inside out and on purpose. All of these things are on purpose. So we got the beige book this week from the Federal Reserve. And unfortunately, it showed that U.S. economic growth uh, deteriorated over the summer. So in their region-by-region region roundup of anecdotal information, which is known as the Beige Book, the Fed reported that uh, price levels remained highly elevated in its 12 districts, and that was mid-June through August. That's what the report covered. So, um, you know, I like how they put that, remained highly elevated. Inflation is insane for people right now. And that 8.5%, the last reading, we'll get a new one next week, I think, um, is not real inflation. Not when gasoline was up 44.5% year over year. Not when eggs were up 33%. Milk was up 12%. Butter was up. Bacon. You know, we have to eat. So that 8.5% is, uh, is junk, I think. Then everybody gets on board and they want to start fixing things. Uh, when it's too late and and so much damage has been done. The Federal Reserve Vice Chair, Law Brainerd, said in the middle of the week that she expects the U.S. Central Bank to raise interest rates higher this year and to keep them elevated at those levels until scorching hot inflation slows down. So she was speaking at a conference. She stressed that policymakers remained focused. They were never focused. They were looking the other direction when inflation went from under 2% to 9%. Okay, that's not focus. That's the opposite of focused. Using the word transitory is the opposite of focused, of what's really going on. So, but they want to talk tough about this 2% goal that they've allowed to quadruple plus. But she said... They're in it for as long as it takes to get inflation down. And so, so far, they've really done a great job. And this is what she's saying out loud in public 
and monetary policy, it's going to need to be restrictive for some time to provide confidence that inflation is moving down to target. 2% is our target. How do you think that's going to go? We're going to get another 75% base, uh, basis uh, increase in a couple weeks. I think the meeting set for 2021 of um, the 20th and 21st of this month. Um, yeah. And then, of course, we heard from Jerome Powell. He, this is the guy, Mr. Magoo, driving, you know, 150 miles an hour, basically, the wrong way. But uh, he was talking also, he was the Cato Institute, and he was saying that history cautions strongly against prematurely loosening policy. So in other words, some people think the Fed's going to overdo it and that they're going to have to stop raising in interest rates because they went too far too fast, and then they're going to have to start lowering them. So he was trying to, uh, you know, to put that to bed. He said that he can assure you that his colleagues and himself are strongly committed to this project and they're going to keep at it until the job is done. Unbelievable. Pal, what was he just trying to get reappointed? That's why he didn't raise interest rates when he should have, when we first saw this. What about Janet Yellen? You know, she used to be the fed chair. She was a lapdog for Obama. She finally admitted in public that she totally messed up. And didn't realize what was going on with inflation. How do you not realize that? If you've got a 2% target. And all of a sudden you're at 4%. A second grader could have figured that out. But just like the old Obama administration. And of course it's all the uh, the cronies that were in that are behind the, um, behind the curtain here. Um, it's just they don't know what they're doing. And, and if they do, then they're doing evil things, trying to hurt the country and people and their loved ones um, on purpose. So, all right, so we've got some of these really interesting uh, numbers for you when it comes to retirement that I want to share with you. It was based on a recent uh, survey, and it has to do with retirement planning and what people's expectations are, the way people are thinking about things. And this is timely, of course, because, um, you know, you've had millions of retirees have to go back to work because of this inflation that they've allowed to happen um, on purpose, I think. And um, they're on fixed incomes and it just didn't work out. They couldn't afford to eat their energy costs, their apparel costs. Um, their rent, you know, et cetera. So we're going to talk about that. Your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and as a podcast. 
Um, you can check it out at uh, Apple Podcast. And um, yeah, so we obviously, uh, I, I want to help educate the public as we've been doing for coming up on 25 years now. And especially in the world of finance and, and retirement planning is very, very important, something that we take extremely seriously. So Transamerica, the big financial company, uh, recently conducted a survey to see what people know and don't know about retirement. And what they don't know actually is pretty scary. Um, you know, it might surprise you that um, when it comes to written financial strategies for retirement, uh, most workers, 70%, have some form of financial strategy for retirement, but only 29% have a written plan, and 41% say they have an unwritten plan. So it's obviously, it's across the board how um, people try to get prepared for retirement and um, and then, of course, stay retired. Um, and then as far as a, a backup plan, if retirement comes unexpectedly, only 37% of workers have that backup plan for retirement income if unable to work to their planned retirement age. So in other words, if you're forced out or if there's a medical situation where you can't continue to do your profession, um, how are you going to uh, provide income for yourself that way if you can't work. So, um, you know, you look at when people expect to retire, and that's across the board. You know, I saw based on the survey, uh, 50% of workers expect to work to age 65. Uh, 31% of workers expect to work past age 65. And 19% of workers do not plan to retire. In other words, they're just going to keep working until either they, um, you know, they they drop over and move on to bigger and better things, or um, or they just can't do the job anymore. Um, and you know, it's funny that nineteen percent. Actually, I, I thought that, that would be a little bit higher because I do know people, uh, myself included, who love what they do and really want to just continue. Um, as long as as possible. But I guess, you know, a lot of times if you're in a, a different situation where you don't have, uh, you know, good leadership or a good atmosphere, um, you know, good colleagues around you, you do want to get out of the mix uh, sooner rather than later. Um, so what do people expect to rely on for their retirement income? Well, 72% say that they're going to self-fund with, you know, their savings, investments, things of that nature. 60% um, are relying on Social Security as a big part of that. And also there's another 33% that are going to uh, have some type of work income even though they're retired. So maybe they're working part-time, maybe they're in the gig economy, um, you know, maybe they're whatever, fill in the blank. They always wanted to have uh, a certain type of store and they're going to become a small business owner and um, have some type of income from the business that they choose or the work that they choose. And um, also is interesting, seven out of 10 workers agreed with the following statement. I am concerned that when I am ready to retire, Social Security will not be there for me. 
and again, I've been doing this for uh, 33 years, and it's a big concern. A lot of people worry about that. When we're doing planning, they're like, well, here's my Social Security, the latest numbers that I got from SSA.gov, uh, but I don't know if it's going to be there. Um, or I don't know if the benefit's going to get cut. And, you know, it's a, I, I totally understand it. And it's because of this reckless uh, government that we have right now that has no fiscal responsibility at all. Don't know what they're doing. I mean, spending trillions of dollars when we know from the board of trustees at both Social Security and Medicare that they're headed to insolvency. We know that. And yet they ignore it. They being these corrupt politicians ignore it, act like it's not a problem, kick the can down the road, whatever, you know, whatever way you want to put it. That's exactly what's going on. So I understand when people don't have that confidence in uh, the government and in Social Security and even Medicare, Medicaid. So. um you look at retirement savings, planning, and preparations, 28 is the median age at which folks started saving for retirement. So, you know, a youngster gets into the workforce, and then as they start to mature and understand taxes and, you know, um, inflation and all the other things, they start saying, yeah, I'm definitely going to take advantage of um, – my retirement plan at work and or I'm going to set up something on the side uh, so that I can be even more aggressive with saving. And then 73% of workers are saving for retirement through those employer-sponsored plans. So, and, and of course, it used to be in the good old days that, you know, you went to work for one company, you put in your years, you had a real nice pension that you could rely on. Uh, you have a retirement party. They give you a gold watch, put you out to pasture, and everything's fine. Well, that's changed dramatically over the last few decades. And the onus is on you and um, how much you save and will it be enough or is it enough to create that retirement income that you won't outlive? That's really what it all comes down to. So um, that's, again, that's another big reason of, of why planning is so important. So, you know, you get into this, I, I think it's a myth when people say how much. So they look at a dollar amount. And really, that's not what, in my opinion, um, what you should be doing. You should be looking at your life on paper, what it will be like in retirement. And will you have enough income to last or are you going to redline and run out of money. It's not, oh, I've got X amount of dollars. I think I'm good. It's your life on paper. The math is science. All the numbers are run. All the variables included, including inflation. And, um, you know, you're able to uh, to know the answer to that question as opposed to guessing. Um, limited understanding of asset allocation principles. So only 31% of workers said that they knew a great deal or quite a bit about asset, alloca uh, asset allocation principles. That's not much. So, you know, that's the, 
the knowledge of where your money should be, how it should be allocated based on your goals and on your risk tolerance. So they didn't feel comfortable with that. So even though you've got 73% of workers, as I said, saving for retirement through employer-sponsored plans, only 31% of those felt comfortable with asset allocation and which choices to make. More than half of unemployed workers, 54%, have no understanding of asset allocation, the principles involved with that. That's crazy. Um, So uh, I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, I've got some other really interesting uh, stats for you that I think you'll enjoy on retirement. Stay tuned. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts. You can check it out there. Hey, not to brag, and I I mean that, uh, I I say this very humbly, but thank you to everybody uh, that's a part of the program. Uh, We learned recently that we've won uh, three awards for last year's programming. So one was the interview uh, with Dr. Ben Carson. One was the interview with uh, Mark Mills from the Manhattan Institute, and uh, one was from uh, Freeman's Auction when we uh, talked about that fascinating story of uh, a copy of um, uh, the Declaration of Independence. It was found in Scotland, if I remember correctly, in the attic, brought here and sold for $4.24 million uh, at auction. So uh, we are recognized uh, for all three of those programs, and um, the trophies are on their way. So uh, it's only possible because of uh, of you. Uh, we've been fortunate and blessed that we've won many of those in the past, uh, both uh, national and international recognition of the Your Financial Editor program. So thank you for that. And I uh, just wanted to make sure that you knew that um, – that, that that those trophies are on the way and they're as much yours as they are mine as far as I'm concerned. So uh, I want to go back. I was talking about the retirement plans at work. Uh, make sure you explore uh, your whatever, 401k, TSP, 403b, whatever you simple plan at work, whatever you have, um, if your employer offers one. And uh, especially if the company matches contributions because that's free money so you're saving for the right reason and then you're being rewarded for saving because you're going to get some type of a match generally um so that's a rare opportunity and i would just suggest that you uh you take a look at that and um and take advantage of it as well uh also you know understand your risk tolerance understand what you're in if you need to get guidance on that there's nothing wrong with that I mean, you know, people that are trying to do things on their own, that's like a part-time job on top of the job that they have. 
Uh, and then they let emotions get involved, and that can be very detrimental when it comes to your planning. Um, so you, you need to kind of determine, are you a saver or are you an investor? And both of them are fine, by the way. Um, you know, some people uh, remember or their family, mom and dad or aunts and uncles went through the Great Depression and livelihoods were wiped out. And then you come up even to the 2008-2009 uh, financial crisis and the housing market bubble and that crisis. Uh, some people can't handle risk. The virus, you know, I mean, the market went down, what, 33% in 30 days? <laughs> that's like, that's unheard of. Never happened before. So if you're an investor, the more you understand what you're in and feel comfortable knowing that it's a good long-term strategy and allocation, the better off you're going to be. And also, if you're not an investor, you just admit that and you say, I'm a saver, which has been terrible for the last 15 years because of the Federal Reserve having that zero interest rate policy. So you were being punished just because you were a saver and you couldn't get any rate of return from CDs or money markets or other guaranteed type products, right? So that, that, that's terrible. It's changing a little bit now. Uh, but again, you know, by changing, that's hurting the uh, equity and bond markets, uh, but it is helping get you a little bit of a rate of return um, in a money market or a CD. Nothing to write home about, but something versus nothing. Um, and and you just want to, you know, if you are actively working, you want to make sure, again, that you're putting away as much as you can. Uh, and the better you feel about your decisions and your options, the the more likely you are to do that. And if you are retired, like I said, you want to make sure that you have things that are moving in the right direction based on your long-term goal because not only – are you retired? You want to stay retired. I mentioned early, earlier today and at various times on the program, other programs, that um, millions of retirees had to go back to work. You know, that's not what people want to do. If they choose to go back to work, that's one thing. If they're forced to go back to work because of this insane inflation, uh, that's totally another thing. So I would, again, encourage you to, uh, well, to plan because that's the that that's the the key in uh in my experience is uh is planning and then um understanding identifying and understanding that risk tolerance that you have and um making sure that the exposure you have to grow your wealth is and protect it is proper um and uh that's how you do it with planning so i like i said i just wanted to take some time this weekend and share that uh, Transamerica survey on retirement had a lot of good information in it. Uh, if you missed anything or wanted to write down some of the statistics I was throwing out and couldn't because you didn't have pen and paper, or you were driving, just drop me an email and um, I'll make sure that uh, that you get it. And um, that does it for us. We uh, we're out of time and. Um, I'll be on the Morning News Express with Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick. That's every weekday morning, 550, 650, 750, live uh, conversations uh, with the three of us about what's going on in the world of business and finance. And then uh, back here 
next weekend for another edition of the Your Financial Editor program. So thanks so much for uh, for being with me this weekend. Like I said, we'll keep uh, that memory of September 11th in our hearts, right, and in our minds. And um, remember who the enemies are. Stay vigilant and, uh, and and just pray for those that were lost. It was just such a such a sad time what happened that day, and then like I said during the the uh, conflicts afterwards. So we thank all of those um, who protect us and uh, pray for you every day. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. of this program are available in the audio vault at wfmd.com a service of Holtzapple Heating and Air Conditioning News Radio 930 WFMD Fred